Today we're reading Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants and began the settlement. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Thanks, Candice. Well, it's nice to see you all here today. I'm Dave, not Gary, in fact, and um, yeah, I'll be taking us through the next 25, 30 minutes. Mary Carr, in her memoir titled The Lies Club, she tells of a story about her uncle and his wife. One day, uh, this couple had an argument, which is not too surprising, really. Uh, We all have arguments. But this particular one culminated in her uncle cutting their half exactly in half and then relocating the two separate halves to different parts of the property. And for the next 40 years, they didn't talk to each other. Not one word. What was this argument over? How much money the wife spent on sugar? Now, you might hear this and be like me and think, how ridiculous, right? Just get over it. So dysfunctional. But I wouldn't be surprised if there are some people here who can relate to this story. Maybe not the exact scenario. I think if this happened here, then it'd be on the front page of the advertiser. But the struggle... Uh, to forgive the everyday wrong. Today, we're particularly going to consider forgiveness um, within our own church here. And as we're going to see, uh, that has some challenges of its own. First, we're going to uh, unpack a biblical framework of what forgiveness is and what it looks like. Uh, then we're going to consider what are some struggles uh, with forgiveness and what we might do in that situation. And finally, We're going to consider as a church how we're going with forgiveness. But before we get into it, how about we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, we we thank you for this time where we get to hear from your word. 
We pray that as a family, uh, we'll be listening to you and you'll be softening us so we might be responding to it too. Amen. So what is forgiveness? I think if uh, we'd all say that we have you know, an intuitive sense of what it is, but if we wrote down our own definitions now, I reckon we'd come up with some pretty different results. Here's one definition I came across. When you've been wronged, uh, forgiveness is a commitment to not dwell on the hurt or nurse ill will towards the other. Now that's one way to consider forgiveness, but more importantly than my opinion or your opinion, what does the Bible have to say about forgiveness? And the first thing we see is that God is serious about us forgiving other people. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15, Jesus says these words to his disciples. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, their Father will not forgive your sins. You might have heard this a little bit earlier when Brian introduced today's passage. They're hard-hitting words, aren't they? If we don't forgive other people... It's saying that God won't forgive us. Now, for those here with a sensitive conscience, um, and not potentially it's starting to form in your stomach as you think about how are you going with forgiving other people? Um, or you might be a little bit more like me, a bit of a self-justifier. And um, as you're hearing these words, you're trying to soften the blow of them. You know, maybe find loopholes, uh, qualifiers. You know, God's... Jesus isn't really being serious. You know, he's just using hyperbole to make a point. But Jesus' teaching here, it doesn't leave any wriggle room for us. And it's reflected in other parts of the Bible too. Uh, For instance, in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says, Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Uh, A guy named Walter Wink, in his book, Engaging the Powers, he tells of two peacemakers who met um, some Polish Christians about 10 years after the Second World War. This, this war was particularly brutal for the Poles, where millions of their people died at the hands of the Germans. During the meeting, the peacemakers asked the Poles um, if they'd be willing to meet with some Christians from West Germany, uh, who were particularly wanting to apologise and ask for forgiveness themselves. At first, nobody spoke. And then one of the Poles stood up and he said, What you're asking is impossible. Each stone of Warsaw is still soaked in Polish blood. We cannot forgive. But before the meeting finished, they said the Lord's Prayer together. And when they got to the line, Forgive us our sins as we forgive others, there was another pause. And then the same man stood up and spoke again. I must say yes to you. I could no more pray thee, our Father, and I could no more call myself a Christian if I refuse to forgive. Humanly speaking, I cannot do it, but God will give us his strength. 18 months later, these Christians met together and they started new friendships, uh, which continued on. Now, in some ways, you hear this story and you think, that's pretty far removed from our context, right? 
But as a, as a family, we do sometimes say the Lord's Prayer together during our services. And maybe there have been times where we've said these words uh, while still harboring unforgiveness to each other. Before the next time we pray this prayer, we want, might want to consider, are there people in this room who I need to forgive? Now, in wrestling with this idea of having to forgive, I think it could be easy for us to mix up the order. You know, if we forgive, consequently God will forgive us, and we can somehow, you know, muscle God's forgiveness out of him. But as we'll see today, this is not the case. Uh, God's always the initiator of grace for us, and it's always undeserved. But still, the warning is clear here. If we're not willing to forgive other people, if we're not willing to share God's heart in forgiveness, then we can't presume God's forgiveness on us. God's serious about forgiveness. The next thing uh, we see is that God desires for us to forgive other people in the same way that he's forgiven us. So in Colossians 3.13, the Apostle Paul says, Bear with one another. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So as God's family, we forgive just as God's forgiven us. And as we know, this forgiveness, it's most clearly seen in Jesus. So today, we're going to look at three things that Jesus shows us about how we forgive other people. And the first is, forgiveness is costly. So in the second letter of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, the Apostle Paul has just been talking to them about this new life that they have in Jesus. And then in verse 19, he says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Here we see that it's through Jesus we can be reconciled to God. And the reason for this is because Jesus deals with our sins. So then, what is sin? I think when we, when we hear that question, what is sin, our minds can go to a particular occasion. You know, maybe as a rebellious teenager, we did something. Or there might have been a time where we were particularly nasty. And this is part of it. About sin is much bigger and more offensive than that. Because at its core, sin is our attempt to replace God. To replace the one who's created us. You know, instead of acknowledging Him and living His way, uh, we try to act like He doesn't exist, instead living the way we want to. There's nothing more offensive or rebellious than this, And it's from this core um, desire, behavior, that all sorts of sinful uh, acts emerge. And it's here that we see a real tension in our relationship with God. Because on the one hand, we're rebellious, aren't we? We've rejected the God who made us. And God is someone with perfect justice. And surely that demands a punishment. Surely that demands a consequence. But then at the same time, uh, his love 
desires for us to be reconciled to him. So how does God deal with this tension? We're just a couple of verses on in our Corinthians passage. We hear these words. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And here's where we see the price of forgiveness. The great exchange of Jesus for us. Jesus, the one who is perfect and without sin, willingly died on a cross and took the punishment we deserved for our rebellion against God. It's on this cross we see Jesus taking the greatest cost so that sinful and rebellious people like you and me, so that we can be forgiven by God. Now, if you're here today uh, and you haven't yet made up your mind about Christianity, I hope you can see what Jesus has done for you. He's gone to the greatest of lengths to make it possible for you to be forgiven, to make it possible for you to be in a restored relationship with God. And maybe today's the day that you want to apologize to God for your rebellion. And if you do, that is great, uh, because the promise we have in Jesus is that uh, if you do, if you repent and put your trust in Jesus, uh, you'll be a part of God's family for eternity. So as we look to Jesus, the first thing that we've learned uh, about forgiving others, it's costly. The second thing Jesus shows us is that our forgiveness for others is to be unlimited. Uh, In the Matthew passage that Candace read out before, we heard Peter ask that question, how many times should I forgive? Up to seven? Now at the time, the teachers of the law They prescribed that three was about right. You know, if you forgive three times, you've done a good job. So Peter, one of his disciples, he probably thought that he was being outstanding by doubling it and then adding one. A bit of a teacher's pet, if you like. Um, But how does Jesus respond? Not seven times. Seventy-seven times. And in doing so, he would have blown Peter's ideas out of the water. Because hearing this, Peter would have been so deflated, he'd be thinking, there's no way that he could ever get to that point where he's forgiven enough. And no way he'd get get to the stage where he could discharge his duty to forgive. But that's the point, isn't it? In Jesus, we've been forgiven a great debt we could never repay. And so in turn, we show this forgiveness to other people. A forgiveness that's never discharged. A forgiveness that knows no limits. One more thing Jesus shows us about forgiving others, and that is, it's to be unconditional. So in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says to his disciples, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. It's a pretty all-encompassing statement, isn't it? If if you hold anything against anyone, then forgive them. And I reckon this goes 
against everything we know, at least everything I know. Because when we're hurt, I think it can be so easy for us to place conditions. Maybe it's just me because I used to be a lawyer, but it can be easy to place these conditions on our forgiveness, right? Um, You might say, I'll forgive, um, but only after they've repented. Or, I'll forgive you, but only after they've fully appreciated what they've done. Or, I'll forgive, but only once they've genuinely apologized. But in this passage, it's interesting, isn't it? There's no mention of the other party repenting, or even being involved in the process. And yet, the person who's been wronged, the victim, is called to forgive on the spot. Now, In saying this, although we're called to have a posture of forgiveness, to forgive regardless of the circumstances, uh, the role of repentance of the other party, it it is so important. After all, the whole purpose of forgiveness is to restore relationship. And sadly, uh, where one party doesn't repent, reconciliation is almost impossible. And there could be all sorts of reasons for why this might be the case. Uh, maybe the other party is particularly stubborn. Maybe um, they feel wrong themselves and there's kind of this standstill at the moment. Uh, maybe they just have no idea how much pain they've caused you. Or it's possible they've passed away. If you're in a situation uh, where the other party hasn't repented, said sorry... That's really, really hard. And there's going to be a sense in which we, we can forgive, but it just feels a bit incomplete. But what we're seeing in this passage is that even when we're wronged, even when there's no repentance from the other party, and we can't be inactive in this process. Rather, we're called to forgive Uh, We're called to share God's heart for forgiveness unconditionally, regardless of the circumstances. So that's a quick look at what the Bible has to say about forgiveness. And there's certainly much more you can see. We've only skimmed over it. Um, There's a few passages in your outline. So a great thing to do this week might be to go over them in your own time and reflect on those words. But what we've seen as we look to Jesus uh, is that God thinks... Forgiving is a pretty serious thing. And as we forgive other people, we're to do it in the same way that we've been forgiven in Jesus, with a costly, unlimited, and unconditional forgiveness. It all sounds uh, pretty neat in theory, doesn't it? But if you've been a Christian for more than a second, you know it's not all that easy. So why is it that forgiveness can be so tough? Well, there's a few possible reasons. Uh, the first one we'll look at is that it can be hard because we forget how much we've been forgiven. As Christians, we know we're forgiven by God, don't we? But if you're like me, sometimes it can just feel a little bit academic. And actually, uh, in practice, I'm trying to minimize my own wrongs at the same time maximizing other people's wrongs. You might see this more clearly sometimes when you're finding it hard to forgive. Uh, 
you know, maybe the reason why you're struggling to forgive is because we would never do that to them. I find myself going through that all the time. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, a minister from the 20th century, he blows this kind of thinking out of the water. He says, what if you put all your actions of the past year down on paper? What if you kept a record of all your thoughts and desires, your ambitions and imaginings? Would you consent to their publication? Would you name beneath them? This is a terrifying thought to me. Imagine for a moment uh, we just introduced a new segment into our service here on a Sunday morning. And we'll call it 60 Seconds with a Sinner. Uh, maybe it won't be the kid's slot, but we'll figure that out. Basically, what happens is each week we randomly select somebody from the congregation, we bring them up the front, and then for the next 60 seconds on the big screens, we play a highlights reel of their worst thoughts, desires, and actions from the past week with pictures to match. What if I told you that we're starting it right now and you're up? It's almost unbearable, isn't it, just to think about it? But yet, as great as our wrongs are, God's mercy is greater. And it's the more we appreciate this, I think the more capable we're going to be to then show that forgiveness to other people. Tim Keller, an American author, he puts it this way. To the degree that, you've, uh, that you remember what Jesus has done for you, to that degree, you can forgive. In Luke chapter 7, we see Jesus at a Pharisee's house having a meal with them. When all of a sudden he's visited... Uh, by a woman, and she's got a bit of a dodgy past from what we can tell. But this particular woman, she's been forgiven by Jesus. And so, in response, she's overwhelmed with thankfulness. And she shows this thanks uh, in the only way she knows how. She finds an expensive bottle of perfume, pours it on his feet, mixes it with her own tears, and then wipes it with her hair. But when a group of Pharisees see this, they judge Jesus. They judge him for hanging out with who they consider to be a nasty, sinful person. And so in response, uh, Jesus poses this scenario. He says uh, to one of to the host, actually one of the Pharisees, he says to Simon, two people owed money to a moneylender. One owed 500 denarii, which a denarii being about a day's wage, and the other owed 50 denarii. Then the money lender, he forgives both of their debts. He asks Simon, uh, who will love more? To which Simon replies, I suppose the one who had a bigger debt. Jesus says, you've judged correctly. And the same is true for us. As we marvel at the forgiveness that God has for us, This overflows then into how we can forgive other people. But the opposite is true as well. Uh, And if we kid ourselves into thinking we're not that bad, uh, or we don't need that much forgiving by Jesus, maybe just a little bit, this is going to limit our ability to forgive. To the degree uh, we remember what Jesus has done for us, to that degree we can forgive. 
A second reason uh, we can find it hard to forgive, and that's because it hurts. It's no uh, coincidence that the word gives found in forgive. When we're wronged, obviously it hurts. Uh, but then sometimes when we forgive, it can hurt just as much, sometimes more. Letting go of a wrong, forgiving, it's never fair. It's always unfair. And when we do this, uh, sometimes I think we can feel vulnerable or like there's no justice in the world. Um, It's this kind of idea that can raise concerns people have. Forgiveness, uh, for instance, if we forgive, uh, then we just become, you know, a walking doormat for people. You know, we always forgive and they always walk over us. Or, or if we forgive somebody without them really repenting, uh, you know, we're just encouraging them to do it again. Just, just to clarify, I don't think uh, we should ever be passive in forgiveness or, um, or we should do something which might encourage sin in somebody's life. In fact, to do that would be a pretty unloving thing. Uh, we know how sin can entangle people and lead them away from the church. But our Heavenly Father, He's got a heart for forgiveness. And we need to keep considering how we can uh, share this heart, even when it hurts. A final reason why forgiveness is hard, and that's because uh, it's an ongoing process. Forgiveness, it's a bit like the weeds in my garden. Now, just to clarify, this is not my garden. My weeds can get much more fierce and horrible. But forgiveness is a bit like weeding. You know, I think, well, maybe I used to think, I don't know. I used to think that if I gave my garden a really good once-off job, that's it. I'm done. I could give myself a pat on the back, never come back to it. I can see a few people nervously wriggling around in their chairs right now. Um, But that's right, because it doesn't work that way, sadly. Uh, If I do that, pretty soon the weeds come back bigger and stronger, a bit like this picture right here. Forgiveness can be a bit like this. Uh, You know, I think I've forgiven somebody only to find that I'll I'll think about them or uh, I'll remember the incident. And just like weeds, you know, that pain and bitterness, it comes seeping back. But like weeding... Uh, We need to keep at it. Encouragingly, I've heard from some more mature Christians um, that as we persist with forgiveness in a way that's God-honoring, then over time, uh, sometimes these past hurts, they'll pop up less frequently. And then if we keep working at it, when they do pop up, we're going to be more able to forgive. But this heart of forgiveness... I don't think it happens overnight, at least not for me. It's an ongoing process. And so what's going to help us in those times where we're finding it a bit harder to forgive? What's going to help us to persist? For believers, I think there's only one real way. We turn to Jesus. In Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 14, we hear these words. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, 
Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. If anyone was treated unjustly, it was Jesus. When he hung on that cross, he was spat on, beaten and mocked by the very people who he came to save. And yet in those moments, he cries, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Jesus, he's demonstrated the ultimate ability to forgive. And in those times of weakness, those times where we feel like we've got no heart or strength to forgive, we can turn to Jesus for help. These are just some of the common challenges I think we have when it comes to forgiveness. Uh, And I'm sure there are heaps more I haven't covered. Um, But for the rest of our time today, I want to finish uh, by us considering this question together. How are we going with forgiveness here at church? I know this is a deeply personal and complicated question. And in looking around the room, I've got no way of knowing uh, what's going on in your life. As we consider forgiveness at church, I think there's a number of possible scenarios uh, that you might be struggling with. Maybe uh, you overheard somebody gossiping about you behind your back. Uh, Maybe you had a friend recently who said some hurtful words. Maybe life's really hard at the moment and your community group where you've invested, uh, they just don't seem to be caring about you. Or maybe there was a recent event organized by people at church and you didn't get an invite. Possibly uh, you've been faithfully serving uh, in one of our ministry teams here, whatever area that is. And then, um, and then recently you raised a suggestion, maybe a way you could do it better or different, and you just got shot down straight away. When any of these things and more happen at church, I think there's a few possible scenarios of how we might react. Uh, One is avoidance. You know, we think if we keep a 10 meter distance at all time, uh, we'll be okay. Just got to maintain that 10 plus distance. If they're at the T, we'll be over here. You know, Um, that's one possibility. Another is uh, we think we can pull off a pretty good, happy, smiley face. And, you know, whenever they're talking in a group with you, you just smile, grit your teeth, and you might think you're doing a pretty good job of it. Uh, But your friends knew, they know it's just a show. Or maybe it all just becomes too hard, and you think, I need a fresh start, I'm going to leave. If you're struggling with forgiveness, uh, please don't give up. Instead, as a, as a body of Christ, let's keep turning to Jesus, the one who can give us strength in our weakness. And let's do this as we remember the forgiveness that God has for us, a forgiveness that's costly, unlimited, unconditional. For some of us here, uh, we might be struggling with a, you know, a more extreme hurt, Uh, from the past or maybe the present. Uh, It could be an affair, 
an abuse or some other extreme injustice in your life. And right now you might be thinking, how can I ever forgive this? If you're struggling with this, please talk to somebody uh, who you trust about this. More importantly, uh, please talk to God about it. Maybe you can be asking God that he'll prepare your heart to actually want to forgive and then give you the strength to do it. Wherever we're up to with forgiveness at the moment, I'm going to pause for a moment Uh, And this could be a really good opportunity for you to spend some time with God in prayer. And then after that, I'm going to say a prayer on our behalf. All right. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for the overwhelming forgiveness you've shown us in Jesus. A forgiveness which is costly, unlimited, unconditional. A forgiveness which means that we can live in a restored relationship with you. We pray that as people who have been much loved, We'll appreciate uh, this love more and more each day. And this will then overflow into how we forgive others. Dear God, we've heard the seriousness of forgiving others today. And we ask that in the harder times, when we're struggling to forgive, and maybe that's now, we pray that uh, that in Jesus, you might give us hearts and strength we need to forgive. We ask that as a church here, one of our defining features will be our forgiveness towards each other. We pray all this in your name. Amen.